0: All right, we are live. Welcome to the Deconstructing Data Podcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, CMO at BDEX, along with co-host Joshua Morgan, content marketer extraordinaire, and of course, David Finkelstein, BDEX's co-founder and CEO. So today's guest is David Whitting. David is a leader in corporate communications, analytics-driven marketing, and business transformation helping some of the largest, most innovative companies in the world develop award-winning integrated global communication programs built on a combination of public relations, advertising, marketing, data, and demand generation. He uniquely understands what it takes for businesses to successfully scale their capabilities across the full range of communications, marketing, and technology um, that are required for B2B companies to succeed. So thank you so much for being here, David. Could you please just start from the beginning and tell us about yourself and your story and also a little bit about Edelman?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, thank you, everybody, for having me. And Jesse is whiting, not waiting. I I, I apologize. I I... (laughs) I meant to ask (laughs) that prior. (laughs) No worries. Well, I've seen the podcast also, where uh, you guys have a lot of fun on the Whiskey Wednesday. So I'm coming on Thursday. (laughs) Kind of blew that one. But thanks so much for having me. So um, Edelman's the world's largest communications firm. Um, Working with, as you said, a number of large global clients, but also with a number of startups, um, really helping clients uh, communicate their value, communicate uh, their mission and really engage stakeholders to help them act and build trust. And so my role um, is to help to drive the firm's adoption of Comstech and help our clients modernize. Uh, their corporate communications functions and so really what that means is we're designing data-led communication programs which drive action and build trust amongst those key external but also internal stakeholders Um, And then just as a little bit of background kind of who i am and and, uh, where i came from is that i really started my career in politics um, which really helped me understand how decisions are made so whether that was like general populations or on elections Uh, engaging elected leaders around congressional votes, procurement teams around government contracting, that kind of list goes on. Um, And when I made the transition into corporate communication advising, you know, those skills really translated really well uh, because I knew how stakeholders made decisions. And so now we're at a point where we have a lot of tools, a lot of technology and, of course, a lot of data um, that help us engage those stakeholders at that individual level. And so that allows us to really measure our impact of our communication programs in a much more uh, attributable way than even two years ago. So it's really an exciting time. And I'm really happy to be here for the conversation.
2: That's great, Dave. Um, So it's great to meet you. Obviously, thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Um, You obviously have an interesting background. And since this is the Deconstructing Data podcast, I thought it'd be interesting for us to explore how uh, the best communicators are leveraging data. So in your opinion, what are some of the things that best communicators are doing to leverage data and and you're seeing in your industry and that you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, so look, it's really an exciting time uh, within the communications industry and specifically because so many uh, communicators are executing these data-led programs. and i think really first like it's about understanding your audiences in a way that we from in the communication space haven't really been able to do before and, and again from that corporate perspective and you know an example of that would be um, we work with a global financial institution who's seeking to engage a certain audience to drive awareness and demand and their sales team has said that their customer their target customer only wants to hear about xyz and You know, what we're really doing is we're utilizing intent data. And I know you guys have a point of view on intent data. We're using survey data, qualitative interviews, all of this to gain that better understanding of what those target audiences actually care about. And so it's really fun to be able to have these conversations with our corporate communication teams and our clients to be able to say, okay, your sales team's really focusing on this. But what we've really found through this data and through this analysis is that, they're actually focusing on something totally different. And so what we're doing is we're helping build connections between sales and communications, but also between communications and marketing. And so those are you know, really kind of one of the ways that we're really helping to drive um, the use of data within the communication space. And it's, it's pretty interesting and it's a fun time.
2: I love the fact that you opened that up with the importance of understanding your audience because that's something we talk to our, our customers about all the time. Yeah, a-
1: a- absolutely. I think, you know, being able to really understand what those individuals care about, I mean, that's the crux of it. And if you're not able to do that, then you're executing these campaigns that are going to, you know, generate metrics that are, you know, maybe not actually driving business value. And so that's really what we're focusing on. is using data in a way to actually drive business value. And, you know, from the marketing side of things, you know, that's always been the conversation right it's like i give you one dollar and i'll give you a dollar 50 back but now from the P- pr and communication side of things the fact that we're able to do that in a way that says hey we're able to get um investors to think about you differently and we can actually drive measurable impact on that um thinking about yes from a sales perspective but also thinking about from a gr perspective or within that kind of b2b world or in B 2 g world so it's, uh, it's certainly exciting times uh, for sure. And the audience is the core uh, and the key part of it to understand them deeply beyond just, you know, the typical personas or the typical, uh, you know, audience uh, uh, charts or sheets that, that you end up pulling together. It's what, what do they really care about.
0: It's a great point, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, interested to hear that you started in politics because I have a similar story and made a transition um so actually the first role was a communications role press intern for senator durbin um so is that sort of what you were doing were you doing press in in politics
1: yes so uh, i started with um in uh, so i originally from boston so i started with uh, an internship uh, in the massachusetts state house working for a local rep um it was just more broad kind of constituent engagement right so like i was really on the forefront of fielding the calls and saying hey what is so and so or uh, you know, where's my cost of living increase? I need the you know member to be voting on these types of things. And so really kind of taking that kind of first line of defense, um, to understand what the constituent's issues are. And then how do we then translate that into, okay, what's the sort of action that we can take to actually help some of these issues. And then from there, kind of transitioning into, um, working for the DNC, uh, at the uh, convention in, uh, 2004, where then I was working also, uh, on, um, uh, then Senator Kerry's uh, presidential campaign, uh, and then fun. made the transition into kind of lobbying and public affairs. You know, from there, so uh, it's an exciting world. And I always like tell pe- uh, young people who call and try to you know get advice, or um, you know whether it's from you know where, where I went to college or or other friends, um, like jump on a political campaign. It's going to be the one of the most interesting, uh, high pressure. Um, but also fruitful experiences you'll ever get because you'll learn how to tell a story. You'll learn how decisions are made and you'll do it all in a world where you're going to be building relationships with people because you're in the trenches and like the pressure is so big. And uh, the best part is that at the end you either win or you lose. So you you avoid something, right? So it's, it's a great, it's a great experience. I I can't, I can't recommend it enough.
0: I couldn't agree more. Um, Absolutely. So Kind of transitioning back, but kind of similarly related, how can data and, you know, editorial instinct come together for marketing and communications organizations?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think from a communications perspective, from a marketing point of view, um, you know, we really need to have that knack for storytelling um because you know again to me that's really the key to a successful campaign and i view data tools tech those are all the enablers but if you don't have a good story to tell that's relevant to your audience's specific barriers or needs the audience isn't going to pay attention so david like you said it's like you know we start with the audience if you don't understand what the barrier is for your audience um they're not, going to, they're not going to react, they're not going to engage. It's going to be a very one-way conversation at best, or it's going to be a deleted email, uh, or it's you know, no, zero engagement on any sort of social channels, and that pipeline's going to remain pretty weak. So Dave, I, I love storytelling. And
3: as I'm doing a leadership course through WildSpark, because they're all about building leaders, um, one of their core tenants they start off with uh, to be a good leader is you need to be a good storyteller because once you can tell that story you can build oh those God, connections God. with like other people so and those those are those connections are so 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 important and so um how do you feel like how does data how does it feed into storytelling I and mean, can you think of like some examples yeah. where you see people that are bringing data yeah. into storytelling?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I can give you an example Um, recently uh, where we're working with a global industrials company and they're a major supplier to the EV space. Um, And their challenge was that uh, their investor relations team, right, they felt that their investment thesis, which is that the EV adoption world is increasing, right, and therefore their business will scale to that demand. Um, The investment community did not understand and did not, there was no real awareness of what value they actually were bringing to that space. And so the client reached out and said, you know, we really need to be driving more awareness around uh, what we're doing within the EV space. Can you reach the investment community? And, you know, they came to us thinking, okay, well, you're a public relations firm, communications, that means you're probably going to be, you know, pitching Investor Business Daily, Wall Street Journal, Financial Times um, to really, you know, drive awareness, you know, within some of these publications. And what we said was actually it's not really where we need to be going right now. Yes, we can do some of that. But what's more important is let's just go direct to those stakeholders with what our story is. Um, And, again, using those audience identification tools um, really Uh, understanding what those stakeholders actually cared about, what those analysts cared about, what those institutional investment houses actually cared about beyond just what we knew the IR team wanted to push out there. And so we also executed some uh, targeted social listening tools, again, some of the intent data. And what we did was we created editorial content um, that we knew would resonate. And we targeted these stakeholders via every sort of channel you can imagine. You email content campaign, LinkedIn lead gen, et cetera, et cetera. And what we were able to do is, you know, come back with a much more um, measurable program where we're able to share, you know, how much of our content was being consumed um, and importantly, um, by whom. Um, And then the kind of output of that was, yes, here's like some great, you know, metrics as to the campaign. But most importantly is that we were able to help that storytelling where we went direct to those analysts actually come through Um, in those analyst reports. And so it's really a successful example is using data to inform our storytelling with meaningful outcomes that, you know, really hits beyond just look at our uh, metrics, our dashboard, you know, this is really great. But now we're having, you know, executive level conversations to say, here's how we're helping uh, tell your investment thesis to those specific individuals that matter. And as a result, those individuals that matter—they're now helping tell that uh, investment thesis, you know, more broadly through their analyst reports. So, you know, one example of, of how data is really informing our storytelling, um, and again, it's through a very targeted and meaningful way that focuses on business outcomes rather than just let's create media clips, let's push out marketing materials, let's you know try to uh, have these kind of conversations where we hope people will absorb the information that we're pushing out. We're using data to say this is what these individuals care about. So let's make sure we wrap our stories around that.
0: That's a great point, absolutely. And so I'm not as familiar with, you know, comms tech as I am with MarTech or ad tech. So how how is the communications function catching up to marketing teams as it relates to data and analytics?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. you know, first iteration of ad tech, right? Very much channel focused, um, understanding you know where you're going to be placing those ads. I think martech is uh, the other evolution of that. Where now, what we have for comms tech um, is really the ability to understand our stakeholders and go really directly to those stakeholders. And it is using and borrowing a lot of the martech uh, capabilities. Um, uh, but really what we focus on is again using those tools and technologies to be able to go direct to those individuals in that you know example I just shared. Um and so communications, the corporate reputation world, really what we have now is the opportunity to yes go direct, but also to understand what sort of trends are emerging. So as you think about protecting your brand, as you think about ensuring that individuals understand what your brand mission, vision, values really are. So that helps with recruitment, that helps with retention, and certainly that helps with um, uh, new customers and filling that pipeline. Uh, really allows us to create a more measurable program that, again, gets to that individual stakeholder and help shape those points of view and communicate directly to them.
0: So would you be willing to share anything about um, what's in your comms tech stack and what you might suggest? Yeah. So
1: one of the so Edelman, uh, I will say that our point of view on comms tech, which is different from other firms, is that we aren't creating a singular solution, right? And it's okay. not just branded element and here you go. Um, because that's not really Comstech and that's not really utilizing all of the tools and technologies that are out there to gather the right data. Um, and so really what our approach is, is to ensure that we are using all of those different types of tools. So if you think about, you know, audience identification, right? You know, for us, there's, you know, certainly the um, the survey-based elements, and that's part of our uh, data and, and insights team um, where we have that those capabilities. You think about the editorial side of things. It's using tools like intent data to inform, okay, what are the types of, uh, pieces of content that individuals are actually consuming of whom you're trying to to target so you know what we have is a huge you know we made a um i have a slide uh that is essentially the Loom escape of all of the different capabilities and, and tools that are within the uh you know the edelman tech stack but what i would say is that you know we're an independent firm and what's great about that is we're not beholden to any sort of specific tools and technologies um, so we can really use a lot of different uh, tools that are fit for purpose for whatever our clients are really trying to drive uh, attention for. I love it because
3: the individuality of it, you know, yeah, complete personalization uh, for what a person needs. Um, so, speaking of that, where do you think um, that mistakes are happening um, with businesses when it
1: comes to you know integrated communications? So. You know? Um, It's a good question, because as comms tech is evolving, um, as more and more communicators are starting to say, okay, well, when you think about integrated communication campaigns, you know, the kind of first step is, well, that means social media or digital, right? But really, um, what others are also focusing on is media relations, because that's what they're responsible for. So I think the biggest mistake... Um, that we're seeing, we're really helping our clients work through is not evolving the corporate communications KPIs beyond um, media clips or beyond share of voice or beyond, I mean, even, you know, some folks are still using ad equivalency, right? And so we now have the capability to say, like, look, we can actually put meaningful statistics around this or meaningful data points or metrics that are going to help you show what your value is beyond these, you know, traditional Um, uh, measures of success. And so um, really what we want to do, the biggest mistake is um, not using a proper and full integrated campaign model. So using all of the right channels um, means going beyond just media relations, means going beyond just organic social. Um, So it's helping uh, ultimately move your corporate communications function from this perceived cost cost center to to really a value center and that we now have the tools and capabilities to do that
2: yeah that's great Um, so we've talked a lot about audiences and knowing your audience and so can you talk a little bit to our listeners about the importance of first-party data when it comes to you know with respect to communications uh, and and your experience there
1: yeah i mean look first-party
2: data is critical Um,
1: And as you think about uh, the universe of whom you want to communicate to, of whom you want to absorb and understand who you are as a company, what your values are, what your mission is, what your business objectives are, um, you really need to have the understanding of whom you're communicating to. And so for us, um, it's really getting a strong understanding of what that first party data is. I will also say that as more and more communicators and companies enter this space of saying, um, you know how do we actually target? how do we actually engage the individuals of whom we're trying to move? You know there is a learning process of actually helping uh, teams understand where that first party data actually exists and who they need to work with. Um, so there is that kind of evolution and education that needs to happen. Um, and it's happening now. And you know for for us, Um, It's helping them identify kind of where that exists, but also what the value of that is. And so for us, um, you know, really what we focus on is, you know, we're having a lot of conversations with the marketing team. We're having a lot of conversations with the sales team and really kind of bridging those uh, those gaps of understanding what data they actually have available to them today. So um again you know it's critical for us and then what we really try to do is also help them understand what actual first-party data they have so that we can then begin that really meaningful targeting program
2: jesse you're on mute oh no you're on mute jesse
0: (laughs) sorry i was trying to block my notifications um but i was just saying that's so important first-party data um see that notification um i um wanted to ask you, so what do you think is the future of data in communications?
1: Yeah, so I think that, you know, I I feel like, you know, what I've been talking about thus far is that we're the communications world, uh, specific in corporate reputation, you know, people are really starting to dip their toe um, into what data can do for their programs, for their uh, companies. Um, But I really think the future is going to be data driven within the communication space. I have a colleague who wears a T-shirt that says uh, "Data made me do it," um,
2: <laughs>
1: and I'm working, you know, like in, to ensure also that our clients, but also consultants alike, you know, ask the questions that said, you know, what does the data tell us, so that we can build a program that's not solely informed by the data, right? But it's also, but it needs to be inclusive of the data. Um, And we know that through our own uh, Edelman Future of Corporate Communications study that I think it's nearly 70 percent of all chief communication officers are investing in data driven comms tech programs. So, um, I mean, it's a huge number. And it also says uh, that um, the majority of people haven't done it yet, that they're just now starting to get into, okay, what can data do for us? What does the data tell us? How do I use data? And the other thing that we're starting to see now is um, really sophisticated companies now are starting to hire um, data scientists, and it's to analyze uh, competitor uh, information. And that's not just for um, the business development or the sales team, but it's also for the communications team to say, okay, how can we differentiate our messaging um, against our competitors, and where are we, you know, where is that kind of white space where we can actually um, tell a story, again, that goes beyond just simply products or it goes beyond just simply a, a point of view of um, a, of a sales team, but more inclusive of what the company values are. Because the other thing we know is that companies that are more trusted perform better. And um, in order to build that trust, you need to drive action. And, and you know what I mean by that is you need to drive action amongst those key stakeholders of whom you're trying to move, who you're trying to buy something, vote some way, or invest in something. Um, there needs to be something for them to do. And um, that's really what what I think the future is. And more and more corporate communication teams are going to be doing that.
0: Absolutely. So um, what makes you most excited about it or the most paranoid about this future of communications mm-hmm. with data? I mean, are we too driven by data?
1: I mean, you know, look, I, this is where I can kind of like take a step back because you know I'm not necessarily in the product marketing world as much as I know you and maybe your clients and, and, and you know, the audience may be. But um, within the corporate reputation space, um, I think it's a really exciting uh, time to be able to use data to inform those campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, really the way that we approach it and we talk about it is that this is about efficiency. It's no longer just trying to throw up as much information as you can, or as many, uh, you know, thought leadership uh, white papers or, you know, marketing slick sheets to people who may not um, be uh, the right audience. Um, And in terms of paranoia, um, you know, I think that there definitely needs to be, um, you know, the right, Checks and balances as it relates to personal, you know, PII and and, and all of that. I used to um, within Edelman. I've been in Edelman for for ten years and I've uh, had many different roles. And, and I did have one role in leading our data security and privacy um, sector, where we worked with a number of cybersecurity uh, clients um, and providers, but also on the privacy side of things as well. So, um, you know, it's a real issue. To I mean, you know, all, all joking aside, but I do think that. Um, you know, through our lens of the corporate reputation world, um, using data to have something that's more targeted and more applicable, I think is a good thing. Um, I also do, uh, my colleagues will tell you this whenever I get a, uh, a, a marketing email that it's just like so far off, I oftentimes respond to them and I say, Hey, look, I am in no way the decision maker, nor in the sphere of influence of this decision. Like who's helping you with your targeting? Because, you know, I really think that, you know, what sort of data is informing your list? Is it just, are you just buying lists off, you know, random internet requests? So, you know, we can help you with that. So I always kind of like, I turn it back on them I and mean, I usually have like fun conversations back and, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, having the right data will help you have a more informed and targeted approach, um, that will yield better results and less waste.
2: It's uh-huh. funny that what you just said about that, because my, my our sales team does the same thing. And we, I recently got um, a solicitation in the mail. It was, di- it was directed to my wife who uh, is vegan or she eats vegan. She's not completely vegan, but whatever. She, she basically eats vegan and it was from Omaha steaks. Uh, and and somehow it was to her. It wasn't to me. And so Amazing. immediately, I, I went to Warren, one of the members of our team uh, on our team, who actually you know had had communication with them in the past. I'm like, "Here's a great one for you," and showed him it. And I'm like, "That's you know, that's just where did they get her name on the, on a list? You know, it doesn't make any sense." So, perfect example.
1: Did they get back to you? What was did they?
2: Uh, it's a good question. I it just, literally just happened last week, um, so I'd have to follow up with Warren and ask him. I have no idea. Funny. <laughs> but this happens all the time. And and Warren is very, you know, he, he's uh, very forward in, in any communications that he gets that were poorly targeted. He will respond to them and, and let them know, Hey, we can help you uh, improve on this. This was really bad targeting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and oftentimes, you know, what we say is like, look, you're, you're spending money on this and th- that's just waste. And so, you know, what we want to do, you know, for our clients is to build programs that are fit for purpose, that are data driven, that are targeting the right audience, um, so that you're not wasting uh, media dollars, so you're not wasting uh, time uh, with it, uh, you know, with a firm, you're not, you know, um, uh, spending too much time on content development and sending it to the wrong people. I mean, I think that that's like really, in our view. Um, where data really plays a huge role in informing uh, whom we're targeting.
0: Absolutely. So Omaha Steaks, if you're listening. Uh.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that. That's a little bit. I don't know if that's a better or worse than the um, the skiing company that just sends mailers out to like everybody in like the neighborhood. So there's like they're not even trying to target. They're just they're just doing like the the, the spray and pray. Um, but it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. And then, uh, you know, David was talking wow. about the, you know, with with the beef company. And uh, I kind of made a post about this the other day where, like, two to three times a day, somebody's, like, <clears throat> jumping into messaging me going, hey, by the way, I see that you are, and, and by the way, I'm not in sales at all, but they'll start with, I, I see that you are working on doing demos to And I'm like, I'm <laughs> right. And so, you know, like, you know. Try our new targeting marketing outreach to her, and I'm like, so I always respond with, "Hey, I, you know, I would advise you next time just just take 30 seconds, to look over my poor you know, yeah. profile. Yes. Just, I am not your target market at all. You. So, I just, you know, and, and so I just the LinkedIn
0: DMs can be pretty yeah. Ugly. Well, and I
3: and I have to think if they're doing it to me uh which like even on my headline it's not even related to sales at all but if they're doing it to me they have to be like probably doing that to a lot of other people so how much time is just actually like wasted time is spent that they could have spent just a little bit of time like you know looking at that data looking at the information to actually go to the correct people that you know it needs to go to
1: totally uh, jo- uh, Josh, do you where where are you based? I'm curious because of the skiing. Are you based in like Aspen or, or something big ski? No, I'm in Oklahoma City. <laughs> oh, That's <a> mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's
3: and and the funny thing it's 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 not even water skiing. It's snow skiing, and so like we, I mean. We have a couple hills here but we definitely don't have anything like worth snow skiing off of that's for <laughs> sure. i could understand better if it was like water skiing because oklahoma does have some of the like largest amount of man-made lakes so there's plenty of areas to go water skiing but um right. no, snow skiing it's not it's yeah, not gonna right. happen amazing mm-hmm. um so let's i have a quick question this is kind of like one of my favorite ones which is that you know, yeah, piece yeah. of advice, but if you could go all the way back to when you first started with everything, you know, now, what is like one piece of
1: advice that you would give like yourself? Um, yeah, it's funny that, that that's not investment related about uh, Bitcoin or uh, <laughs> something. Getting, getting in early. Um,
3: yeah, I mean, I guess it could be. I wish somebody when I was getting student loans, I wish somebody would have said, hey, take a $1,000 of this and invest it in Netflix when it first
1: came out. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, I think, you know, the, the piece of advice that, that I would give myself is, um, you know, don't be afraid of taking a job that is a stretch. It's, it's not a bad thing to feel a bit uncomfortable in an early job. I mean, stretch yourself, you'll be better for it. Um, and I think also knowing, you know, what you don't like is just as important as knowing what you do like. So, um, you know. Be willing to take risks uh, in that employment don't um you know if you're you know for me i mean look i'm i was a liberal arts major where i had some internships in politics and that was kind of directionally where i wanted to go but you know a year uh, or so um after the uh political campaign work i i joined a really small lobbying and public affairs firm and, you know, it was my it was really myself, the principal and, and somebody else. And so I was a mid 20s going with uh, with the principal to some serious meetings with um, uh, with with serious people and serious leaders. And, um, you know, I certainly was did, I felt uncomfortable um, at first. But I think that what that did was, um, you know, you have to be in sponge mode. Uh, and really, just absorb as much as you can, and, and don't be afraid to to take that job where you're, where you may think it's too much of a stretch, because um, that will only make you be a, a better um, uh, employee, and it'll, it'll only set you up uh, better in um, uh, uh, for your career. Because you'll you'll have confidence, and you'll have experience and exposure, and you know those things are priceless. You can't learn those in school or classes or. Um, it's one of those things that you can only understand by experiencing it. And that's why, you know, Jesse, like, you know, working on a campaign or working in the political sphere, I mean, it's just such high pressure, um, that, you know, I'm sure you have, you know, a yeah. lot of friends who are still like deep, dear yeah. friends because you guys were in it and you are like, I can trust this person.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like some of my bridesmaids, they're like people I worked on campaigns with because we yeah. would, like live, sleep, go to school together, like everything, like, um, So, yeah, it's it's true. You build the best relationships when you're building something together and it's going somewhere. Um, And when you're all working hard to, you know, make it happen, it's just like magical things can happen. So I have to ask. um, Wait, wait. Did you have one more question, Josh? Well, I was
3: I was I was going to ask, like, if somebody could say, hey, I want to go into like one of three, because you've been like in the marketing, you've been in communications, you've been in politics. Of those three, which would you say has been kind of the most, like on a kind of a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, which has been like the most exciting?
1: So they've all been like, like, and this isn't, I'm not going to like say all of them, but like, <laughs> they've all been exciting for very different reasons. I think politics has, as you know, we talked about, it's exciting because um, you know I have a competitive side to myself and you're in a campaign right so like you, you either win or you lose <laughs> yeah. um, so like you know there, there's that kind of validation right um, So the political side of things um, just like incredible also having that exposure to uh, those decision making um, moments and also that you know no matter what you know seniority level you are like you, you can influence them. I think from a communications perspective, um you know being close to understand how um large companies uh function and the role that communication plays within those is is certainly interesting um for me working at you know a, a firm like Edelman you know i always say this to to our our team it's like you know at 9am you're you're thinking about uh, a client in japan who's focused on space launches and then at you know 11:30 you've pivoted to an ev um, Uh, uh, sensors maker, and then at three o'clock, you're pivoting to a cybersecurity provider, you know, so certainly, and all all of that being relevant in terms of, you know, the narrative of the storytelling of the day of of what the news is. And then marketing, I think it's, you know, kind of, again, going back to that kind of competitive side, um, where you're actually seeing those results of you know, again, kind of winning, right, where it's like, okay, like, our program is working, we're reaching these people, they're, they're, they're engaging, um, they're raising their hand, they're buying, or they're converting, or they're doing the thing that, uh, and taking the action that we're trying to to do. So, um, but all that said, I think, maybe politics, because that was my first kind of gig. (laughs) And that's the most that's applicable to all to the other industries.
0: Absolutely. I'd love to hear sometime about, you know, just how in 2004 you guys were using data because I got started in 2008 with the Iowa Democratic Party. Well, not get started, but like my first presidential election was 2008 with the Iowa Democratic Party. Um, And I guess it's just a campaign wise, because when I was doing press, that was, um, you know, all government. So the other kind of, you know, hard thing about campaigns are you're just like it ends in november right and then you have to find another job if you're totally. a candidate or you transition into government so you have to like know what you like and so you know it's like you said it's important to get that experience but yeah so i mean just real quick would you what would you say in ter- Or would you even know like between 2004 and 2008 what do you think happened with data um and then even to now like um in terms of like data and campaigns what, what stands out to you
1: yeah i mean look in 2004 one of my responsibilities it was a really cool one was that at the convention i had to uh, i was essentially a handler of a number of celebrities because if you remember i know i have some really (laughs) funny stories and and i will absolutely tell you guys them um but if you remember 2004 was john Kerry, so ben affleck was there and it was like a big like boston moment um and i was uh bringing somebody around and we did the very first podcast at The 2004 uh convention so like i mean i guess it's almost 20 years ago now but um going from there you know forward i mean it's just leapt it's gone leaps and bounds beyond what anybody can think of and you think about you know fundraising we were doing a lot of fundraising we would fax checks you know just to prove to the dnc like here's here's the money that we have coming in and being able to like show what those are Um, I mean, you know, now the way that data is being used, and think about voter files. I mean, it is absolutely wild um, to be able to get down to, you know, specifically individuals, right? So you're getting down to neighborhoods and being able to target. Um, those neighborhoods with, you know, door knockers, with flyers, with, you know, you know, geo-fencing beyond belief, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, in 2004, there was the start of that, but I think it was really 2008 with uh, uh, President Barack Obama's campaign um, that really codified uh, a voter file that was actionable and that wasn't, uh, that was very actionable and also very um, uh, targeted and updated. I know, you know, one of the areas that you guys really lean into is real time, right? So like you think about real time data, like I, I believe that the Obama campaign captured it and, and utilized it the best way.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: They
2: definitely started the trend there.
1: Well, you guys also, I, I think you guys just put out a report fairly recently. I, I tried to do my homework <laughs> on, on political advertising, right? You Absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. So thanks for asking.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, like wild, it, a couple of stats that were wild to me. One was, um, you know, I think a you know, majority of voters get their information from social media, but then, you know, even more of a majority feel that social media needs to have restrictions on political advertisements. It was mm-hmm. kind of interesting, like, we're going to consume yeah. it either way.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: yeah,
2: right. They're getting it that way, but they don't want to get it that way, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that obviously um, uh, President Trump's campaign uh, just showed the ability to speak directly and how um, I think effective, you know, that um, uh, that was. I mean, you know, Jesse and I come from the Democratic side of politics, but I mean,
0: The other okay. side uses data too. Um, I'm just not as privy to it. Um, but I would love it. if there's anybody listening who could come inform us, we would love to hear about it. Um, or Dave, if you know anyone you could suggest, please send them our way. We would love to talk to them some more too.
2: Absolutely. Um, and
0: of course, I would love to hear uh, maybe sometime offline what you thought of Whiskey Wednesday. But um mm-hmm. in closing, we would love to get input from listeners about BDX's new podcast. Also, are there any guests you would like to have us on? Please suggest them in the comments. You can also send us an email to info at We would love for you to share your qualitative data with us. So um, that's all we have. D- Thank you so much, Dave, for coming. It was really great chatting with you.
1: No, it was great. Thank you all so, so much. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Thanks, Dave. All thanks. right. Take care.
2: Bye.